Hey there, listeners. Welcome back for another episode. It's me, Greg, here with some news. So let's get into it before we get into 185 proper. So we get started with Crowdfunding Chronicles, the latest from Tina Ola. She covers Nikojishi Lin and Partners, uh, which I guess is a wonderful architectural firm that has some, you know, really dapper, handsome animals. So if you're into that and how wonderfully stylish this game is, it's very well funded. So it's definitely going to be coming out. Give a look at the article and check out uh, if this is one you want to get on backing before everything closes up. Another feature comes from Joe Padilla. It's Fists of Fury, Organized Crime and Futility in Yakuza Kiwami, which, uh, I, I don't know, it's, <laughs> at the end of the day, I guess, kind of a, an existential crisis within Yakuza and how how petty the struggle of it all seems in the grander scheme of things. So give the article a read. It's a fascinating read. Now over to the reviews department. The first one is a two-for-one deal. Langrisser 1 and 2 were remastered, and Audra Bowling was reviewing that entire... Uh, or that, that pair of games. You can go check out her review, and she seems pretty high on it. If you like uh, the strategy RPGs as much as I do, this is a good one to check out. Jonathan Logan, uh, my co-host Jonathan Logan, has been going on and on about Yakuza, so it's no surprise that their Yakuza 5 remastered review is finally out. He talks about his uh, finishing up with that and moving on in the series on this episode today. But if you want to check out his review of the game, you can go on over and uh, check it out on the site proper, because, uh, yeah, you, as you have been hearing over the past uh, few episodes, he's pretty high on it. Well, of course, this is RPG fan. We don't cover fighting games. Grand Blue Fantasy Versus is RPG adjacent and does have an RPG mode, and it's really not that great. But uh, that being said, the game overall is really fun uh, from what Elena Haggs had to say in her review. So go check out this gorgeous looking fighting game with its, uh, you know, RPG trappings and uh, see if it's worth diving into. Caitlin Argeros is on the episode once again, and it would not be an episode with Caitlin if she did not talk about Final Fantasy XIV in any way, shape, or form. So she's back into Shadowbringers, which she gave RPG fan Editor's Choice, the latest patch, 5.2, which we talked about a bit last episode as well. Uh, she's gone into a very in-depth review of it, so go give it a read, and uh, yeah, look forward to hearing her chat about it on the episode. As anyone who jumped into Persona 5 knows, it's a beast of a game. And Persona 5 Royal, obviously giving you more stuff to do, is only going to be that much bigger. So Nathan Lee has been reviewing it for us and has still got it ongoing. Embargo has broken. Some reviews have come out. He is still working through his in uh, this <laughs> time of uh, adversity, I guess, that we have going on in the world as of this recording. So you can check out his review in progress over at the site and see what he thinks so far and as he chronicles his adventures. And continuing the trend of uh, RPG-adjacent television series, we have a review of Castlevania Season 3 that uh, Alana Hags went in and did her due diligence of watching this series. It was a, it was a hard slog, I'm sure. <laughs> you know, she seems very uh, into the series, as we all have been so far chatting about it heatedly. I, for one, am excited to get to Season 3. Uh, so go check out her article, but be aware there are some big spoilers from Season 1 and 2, so if you haven't seen the first two uh, seasons, uh, first of all, what's the deal? Also, second of all, go do that. And then third of all, read her article. And finally, the last little thing should sate your appetites for our Persona 5 Royal Review. Not only do we have the review in progress, but we also have the first 15 minutes that you can watch of uh, David's gameplay for us. So go check out our YouTube channel. Check out this uh, new improved version of our 2017 game of the year. And uh, yeah, let us know what you think of it. We like comments and complaints and thumbs up and subscriptions, so go do that at YouTube. Anyhow, all that is done. We are on to the episode, so please enjoy listening to episode 185 of Random Encounter. <laughs> 
Hey everybody, how's it going? It's, you know, up for debate right now, depending how recently you're listening to this episode. But you're here with us, so it can't be all that bad, really. Uh, it's Random Encounter 185. I'm your host, Greg Delage, here on the mic, uh, coming from my lovely bedroom, since the fam is all at home, so I had to go somewhere else since I got kicked out of my office. Because one of us still has a job, and it's my wife. <laughs> So she needs the workspace. I am joined by some wonderful people. Uh, I mean, what am I not joined by wonderful people? I have Jono Logan, my delightful co-host. Welcome back, Jono. Thank you. I've been in isolation for two weeks. Has anything happened? Uh, no. Were you with Jared Leto at his away camp? <laughs> I heard about that. Oh, my God. <laughs> right? Oh, goodness. No, uh, you've, uh, you've missed nothing. Uh, maybe you're on a deserted island playing Animal Crossing. Is that the the reason you've just been away? Absolutely. I got an early copy. I think now that I'm back home, I'm just going to head off and get a nice burger at McDonald's. Oh, very nice. And we have Kaylin Argeros is back. Hey, um, I don't know about you guys. I'm totally a jerk. Like, I'm absolutely a jerk. Well, we didn't want to say anything. saltiest white mage. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of required. We have to be kind of bitchy because, you know, we keep people alive. (laughs) <laughs> Even when they well, really and, don't seem to want to stay alive. Well, in order to get something, uh, you know, made into jerk, it has to be well salted usually to preserve it, right? So yes. It's hand in hand. I'm just uh, literally We're really trying to skirt the salt. euphemisms. <laughs> oh, gosh. Spicy. Bathe in salt. That would be... I'm not sure what that would do to the skin. Would it exfoliate it? I don't know. Uh, it just does not sound comfortable. New, especially you know, if we're not just talking about like your hands, but other oh, right. parts yes. of the body. Parts. <laughs> yes, uh, for those of us who invert more than they extrovert. <laughs> I mean, it's an alternative to soap, I guess. Yeesh. I'll take uh, sonic showers from Star Trek any day uh, over that. At any rate, uh, welcome everybody to this uh, ridiculous podcast that we have started. <laughs> No, it's uh, going to be some some times about games because we've got some stuff on the horizon. I mean, it's going to be hard to to not skirt around uh, the current planetary issues when it comes to the COVID-19 virus. So it's obviously going to shape some of our conversation today. So uh, if that's something you just can't handle, don't want to hear about it, I don't blame you for avoiding this episode. Because for some people, the panic this is all causing can be trigger-inducing. So by all means, take care of yourself. Please move on to episode 186, where hopefully we won't still be talking about it. But that being said, uh, for today, we've got some games on the horizon. Some stuff's probably going to see some delays. Some aren't. One of those things that we did get to uh, get our hands on, though, is that Final Fantasy VII remake demo. We talked a bit back on the last episode, but really uh, only Mike Solosi had played it. So John and myself have finally gotten our hands on it. Caitlin had already gotten into it. So now we actually have uh, some you know, proper experience and whole oh boy, howdy. That's, that's a good game. Everybody. It looks, yeah, I think it's going to be a sleeper hit. It looks so beautiful. And it plays beautifully as well. Like I, 
I was not, I mean, I was not hesitant from what I've been seeing from all the, the previews and gameplay trailers and such, like it's looking really sharp and they've probably only perfected on the system that it seems to be kind of modeled after from Final Fantasy 15. And it seems to be marrying the classic mechanic with the, the action combat really, really smoothly. And, and finally getting to play that with like hands on, like it's buttery smooth. Like the game handles really well in and out of combat. I find. I I guess I need to play it again. I, it took me a while to get used to the combat, like specifically getting used to how to pull off uh, special moves and whatnot. Oh, that I don't disagree with. Like, it, there's definitely a learning curve. Like, I'm not good at it, but I but it's it's still fun. <laughs> yeah, and I guess if there's one thing I really don't like, it's the fact that you need AP to do anything other than just your your basic or your your switch attacks. Like, you have to you need AP to use an item, which I. That it made the scorpion boss a little tricky. That's true. Uh, I I don't disagree with you. It'd be nice if, like, it's a basic, you know, <laughs> a basic Final Fantasy VII human need is the ability to access their items, which obviously you can do between combat. But needing to charge up a bit of AP first, I mean, ideally you don't want to be walking into combat uh, heavily maimed. And I found I wasn't really taking a big a beating and. Uh, Really, it was only during the, the the boss fight with the scorpion. So if you're not watching the ebb and flow of how your AP is going, yeah, you can find yourself in definitely some hot water. But in the moment-to-moment combat, it wasn't as much of an issue. Yeah, I mean, the small fry is not that bad. I found it interesting that, uh, I mean, in the original Final Fantasy and in all turn-based Final Fantasies, you actually, you can't use items until you're... Uh gain ap until you're it's your turn quote unquote the atb kind of thing yeah the atb thing yeah i guess that's their way of managing that i suppose well yeah but that's not i mean like the fact of the matter is you can do melee attacks and you can do your special moves without any restrictions in this combat system so yeah and they're still wailing on you i guess in between because yeah melee doesn't really stop at least but i guess it it does wrap up ramp up pretty quick but it is it's a new thing to wrap your head around for sure that it can be it can catch you off guard if you're not ready for it but i feel like once we get some mastery over the system it maybe not, isn't such an issue yeah and we didn't this demo doesn't include the um uh, the alternate command uh well, I forget what they're, what they're calling it but the oh it's like it's classic mode isn't the, yeah. it just straight up that that's right i forgot about that where you can actually kind of do it still turn based if you wanted to oh cool i wonder if that handles more like 12 uh i don't know because that's what I imagine when I picture action combat, but turn-based is FF12 and minus this probably won't they, have the little tethering sh- strings, but <laughs> they showed it off, I think in last year's E3 or one of the previous times where they okay. did a, 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 a demo of the game at a, gotcha. At I haven't watched a lot for just, I haven't been trying to spoil myself too much on it, but yeah, but uh, did, yeah. So how do you, what do you think it is from what you remember seeing? That's the thing is, when well, my point is, it was last year. I don't remember what it looked like. Oh, I just I see. remember that it exists. <laughs> you're you're right there with me with yeah. uh, confusion. Either way, it'd be cool once uh, that comes out to see, yeah, how differently that changes the shape of the gameplay. I love. We're not gonna have to wait that long. No, and that's exactly it. Uh, and unless you've got a physical copy, you you that you want to cancel or you're looking to get that special edition, you're you, yeah, you can get it as soon as it comes out in. What are we, a couple weeks out now? It's the 12th or something like that? It's like right before my birthday. Uh, 10th. I want to April 10th. The 10th. Thank you. Yeah, it's right. It's five days before. And um, if I'm 
got money coming in again. Hopefully I'll do it. I really like as soon as the demo was done, I was like, mm, I want to buy it right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as I was going to say, though, I love how much more there is to explore. Like those classic hand-drawn, so to speak, maps from Final Fantasy VII are probably one of the best things that have aged really well, despite, you know, muddiness of graphics and such. I mean, Popeye arms and everything aside, the the backgrounds were stunning and they were really fun to explore. But now that we get to explore this in full 3D, there's so much more to like look and poke around in and such. And they've added kind of benefits with that, with the sort of like those little uh, kind of power-ups, so to speak, that replenish your hit points by smashing Shinra-only boxes, because we hate Shinra. So you smash all that stuff, and you get the power-ups for it, and you can jump around. So there's uh, it's a bit of platforming to it as well. Uh, and it's just, it's a joy. I, was, I just loved looking at everything running through the that opening reactor scene and everything like that, like seeing all around different angles and checking out nooks and crannies. It was kind of the best part of what bringing it to 3D is. You know what it kind of reminded me of? Uh, a few years ago, there was a, a team called Stage 9, and they were making a full 3D version of the uh, Enterprise D. And uh, Dope. You could, yeah, it was awesome. Unfortunately, um, they got they got hit by Paramount and yeah. they had closed down. But they had built almost like 50% of the ship. And it was so cool to be able to walk around the Enterprise and like see corners and things that you never saw before. And that's kind of how I felt like when I was playing uh, the demo because I was because we only ever got to see uh, the train station, the reactor from one single angle. But now we could explore like the nooks and crannies. And I thought that was really cool. Absolutely. Uh, and the fact that they, again, it rewards you for it is great. And yeah, you're right. Like getting those different angles is, I think, yeah, what makes it that much more magical. It was funny when you said uh, what it reminds you of. I was like, yeah, what it reminded me of was a better Left Alive. Um, oh, boy. <laughs> I mean, different gameplay style, but just there's definitely a, a similar feel to the, I guess, the general palette of the world. So there was a moment I was just like, oh, this this is how smooth it should have been. At any rate, it's I like also those little touches. Like you go up to the vending machines now, so like there's some products and such that – like they always had that in the last one too, but now we can get right up in it. And so they can even put in more of those little details to make the world that much more tangible and real. And it's wonderful. Oh, so I have to correct myself. Uh, the classic mode is in the demo. Oh, okay. It's, I just uh, didn't turn it on. It's a mode in which basically all movement and basic attacks and dodging is done for you automatically. So all you're really doing is using the menus to issue commands or use your ap for for special moves like that so i remember i i I saw that setting when i started the demo and i was like well no i don't want to do that but i i guess for some reason i thought that the the more classic turn-based thing that they were talking about was going to be like more like you know you know the original or more like line up on each side kind of you'd thing. be issuing commands and only progressing from there but that's that's what it is it's like a it's like the uh the easy mode from near automata where you, you basically it's on autopilot and allows you to do more complicated stuff uh in, in the men- menus if you want to oh interesting that's going to be great for people who, for just if if you do need to grind a whole bunch in this game, if you could switch back and forth, that would be a nice uh, time saver for uh, just grinding. Yeah, that's that's true. So you don't have to feel like you're as in needed needing to be as engaged in just kind of mashing through it. Yeah, it's cool. It sounds like uh, yeah, just 
FF12 system, but on autopilot, more or less. Yeah. And it'll definitely be a nice, like, uh, accessibility option, too, for people who really want to play it, but aren't really good at or maybe playing action games is difficult for them because of their uh, individual situations. It was a lot easier for them to just get through the game if they want to. Uh, Yeah, we were... uh... We can we can rope this back around to our end of the year thing. Uh, Tyler can play this because it's not a pure action RPG. <laughs> <laughs> we love oh, you, that's Tyler. Nice. No, uh, <laughs> it's yeah, it's shaping up beautifully. Like it 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 sold me uh, as as Mike was saying too. He's like he was really excited after playing the demo, even though he was downplaying it because he was already kind of loop more or less knew what to expect from his time with it at E three. And then he was like, I feel like I'm downplaying these. He's like, no, I'm really excited. And I share that enthusiasm. Like this game, this game got me hook, line and sinker. And uh, like even running out of like the, the reactor at the end too. Like I still thought, I was like, what if I go back? Like, is there something to find? Is there a chest I missed? Like uh, I was risking it all because I set the shorter timer as well. So yeah, I did too. Oh, I played it safe. Ooh. I played it safe. I wonder if there's Barrett, a difference. Barrett thought I was a wuss. Okay, I wonder if that's the only difference where he just calls you out. <laughs> nope, there's a additional 15 second end scene. If you do the longer or the shorter? 20, the shorter. If you do the 20 minutes, you get a very short scene at the very end with Cloud having a uh, flash of uh, Sephiroth surrounded by flames. That, that right. classic image. Aww. Which I, I got, uh, that one, yeah. Yeah, just go on YouTube. Fair enough. <laughs> that's cool somewhat rewarding and yeah because i remember that was being a, th- a thing that people were bringing up too they're like oh we see sephiroth already in the demo and this and that and i was like well it was at the end of like the because like when you finish the demo it kind of keeps going for a moment you think like oh is this just a cutscene?" but no then it's giving you a cutscene of just like what to expect in it and then it ends off on sephiroth and the flames so it's like eh, it wasn't he wasn't really a part of the demo because uh, I was going to say the flash seems to happen. It happens after like the, again, that kind of like commercial more or less for the, the game. It wasn't like immediately at the end of the demo. It happened after all that stuff. So I feel like it was just part of the ad as opposed to actually part of the storytelling. Am I yeah, wrong? That entire scene, that entire scene very much struck me as like uh, in this season of Final Fantasy VII Remake. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It just seems to show like these, some classic moments of what to expect moving forward and give you a bit of that. Don't give them yeah. ideas. <laughs> they already tried that. to make like a season experience with the compilation crap. Don't give them ideas. Yeah, no kidding. Oh, they're going to be milking this for like ten years. Because this and fourteen are the only things that they have on their plate that are like. Well, hopefully seven is also Mondo successful, but like, yeah, I would be surprised if this thing isn't uh, isn't a hit. No, given my time with the demo, like it's it's going to play well. It's just a question of how soon they can get the second one out the door to not have us completely fervently at their throats, being like, "You promised us more." Yeah, yeah. It's you know, do we have to wait another five? seven whatever years or will it just be like you know a year or two turnaround like this e3 they'll te- would have possibly teased something or maybe next one they will have teased what's coming who knows i think they might actually tease it in a i guess a square direct or whatever the heck that whatever the heck these companies are going to start calling their e3 replacement uh presentations yeah square enix presents or who knows what but we can expect uh there's going to be some stuff probably for this now do we think i mean we're gonna get this obviously as a big standalone game there's some 
bonus DLC you can get at the gate if you get like the deluxe edition and such like that with the Chocobo and the Cactuar summons materia. But do you think we're going to get much DLC after the fact, like once this whole experience comes out? Because I mean, obviously there was the talk like, well, the entire game be DLC, like they'll release in chapters kind of thing and we'll just keep adding on or uh, are they really it now sounds like what they're doing is releasing it as you know their standalone games quote unquote so to speak but uh yeah will there be much dlc do you think that is an interesting question because i know that when they unveiled like i guess the final name and the the logo and whatnot everyone who was in the know about the game was like why are you just calling it final Fantasy Seven remake why aren't you calling it you know part one why aren't you like being upfront about how this is only i don't know a third or you know even a fourth depending on how you want to define the game of the game so that's an interesting idea if they would maybe just treat it as you know like a telltale experience where you buy the initial episode and then you just get the remaining parts as dlc but something tells me that square is gonna want to capitalize on this because people won't really like the idea of spending like full dollar full you know full price for a DLC addition to the story, but if it's its own separate game release, then, you know, that might be enough to say, you know, okay, I'm going to buy this at $60. Like they can't charge 60 bucks for a DLC. That's episode two of this. No one's going to buy. Well, yeah, someone would buy it, but a lot of people would not want to be putting down that amount of money for DLC additions. They would want that for like a whole second game. And that's it, right? Like we're already spending seventy nine ninety nine for us Canadian mm-hmm. uh, in the PS store to to get this. And yeah, if they release each episode at like twenty twenty five bucks, that's I would expect that for like you know the installments. But if each game is going to be as big as this one, for it, you know if it's going to be a trilogy by the end of it, or if they're just going to do a one and a two part, if they're both eighty bucks. Yeah, uh, if it's this big, sure I can swallow that pill. But if it's more saying like, "Hey, now for three more installments of fifty-five dollars or whatever it is," it's gonna be like, eh. I think they're gonna go the Final Fantasy Thirteen route with the three games yeah. in the series that are right. complete games. Final um, Fantasy Seven R two, Final Fantasy Seven R dash three. Yeah, and uh, cloud in cloud of- returns. <laughs> <laughs> Just throw lightning in there for fun. Why not? They're running out of story anyway because they're stretching this bloody thing over three games. Final Fantasy VII R-3 Stormfront featuring Squall, <laughs> Lightning, and Cloud. They're going to be idiots if they don't do some kind of a crossover with fourteen, though. Yeah, there's definitely going to be stuff over in fourteen again. I mean, there, there was like already the Fenrir motorcycle was in there back when like uh, from uh, Advent Children. I mean, yeah. they weren't even like released at the same time but they still kind of honored it back when like there was some hype around it you can get like some of the clothing i think from advent children as well uh well that one of the um one of the rewards for being subscribed for like x amount of time i think is clouds i don't know if it's his advent children outfit i've never used it myself but yeah i think that's what it was um but but i mean like stuff coming yeah 14's already capitalizing on it. I have no doubt that the decision to make the uh, the the trial the trial series for Shadowbringers the weapons was at least yep. in part because of Seven Remake coming out around this time. Oh yeah, 
there's probably going to be more. Like if there's not a braver in the game already, there's probably already a braver you can you'll eventually be able to find as a reward or whatever. Uh, I want a reskinned Alexander, reskinned as like the Shinra Tower. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of being a big old castle, he's just like the Shinra Tower and a bunch of Mako reactors. It'd <laughs> <laughs> be kind of kind of weird, but neat. At, yeah, and what are you be fighting some of the uh, the summons and stuff too from seven? Because there's some summons we talked about this that are in seven that yeah never went anywhere like um the Catablepus, the the big like the the earthquake um bull thing and there's a couple there's one or two other ones that like there were only in seven that we haven't seen so I wonder if they'll bring those back as like um some raid encounters and stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of opportunity, and that's even assuming they don't do like a a limited crossover event the way they did for uh, thirteen and fifteen. Oh, you know you're gonna get Sephiroth's look. That's gonna be a thing. There's too many fanboys out there too for them not to capitalize on that either. Ugh. I mean, they've already found ways to cosplay if they want. Yeah. So, but now they could actually. Sorry, jo- Jono, you were gonna say something. What was it? I was gonna say that uh, I'm also assuming, like we're talking about. We're talking about what they could put into uh, Final Fantasy XIV from the game as we currently know it, but it strikes me that if they are going to be spreading this thing over, uh, let's just say, three chapters, that they're going to have to invent a lot of new story uh, so it doesn't feel like... it. Basically, When I heard about this originally, that Final Fantasy uh, VII Remake was going to be spread over three chapters, it actually reminded me a lot of uh, The Hobbit. Oh, right, yeah. Um, where it's like, we're going to be making we're gonna be making The Hobbit into three movies, and everyone was like, what? How? Why? It, there's not enough material there. And they were like, well, we're going we're gonna to have to pull material from other sources. There is if we go to the Silmarillion. Exactly. And I feel like that's probably what's going to end up happening with these three games. I think that they have built up a lot of... Uh, I mean, they have tons of Final Fantasy VII spinoffs, and I feel like they're probably going to be going to them yeah. to create additional content. Like, if you don't end up playing as Zack at some point in one of these three games for, like, a large chunk of it, I'll be surprised. Yeah, or if they even do, like, a, an eventual remake in this engine of Crisis Core. I could see a flashback sequence where you play as Zack, but I mm-hmm. would not imagine he would be the star for a major part of one of these episodes no i think it would be yeah i think it would be a a flashback as well i think it would be a flashback too but i think that flashback sequence could be a significant part of one of the chapters it could be i mean it's it's hard because it would be really neat if they did something like reinterpret that whole animated film that kind of retold that story into the story but it also kind of takes away that mystery for people who hadn't seen it and didn't know that tie in between Zack and Cloud, because if depending on how and when they do it in the game, it can really spoil the story and that reveal that like it was all a sham, which if for some reason you never played seven or haven't heard anything about it, I'm sorry if that just got spoiled for you, but their lives are tied together. Nah. Anyways, <laughs> but there was that animated feature film uh, or short, or there was an animated short that kind of told that story of how Zack saved Cloud and it'd be kind of neat if that was a, uh, Maybe a playable flashback, mm. but otherwise I don't see how. But I don't think uh, for a second I thought you were going to go with I don't see how they can't take Final Fantasy fourteen story and put it into seven. I'm like, what? Where are you going, Jono? Get out of here! <laughs> but I understand now. Well, they already have that guy that uh, I think I brought up on one episode in the past that I wasn't seeing a lot of chatter about in the last big trailer we got. Who's like, hey, it's been a long time, and he wants to like face off with you. Yeah, again, the new apparently. the new soldier guy. Yeah. Mr. So, Mullet. 
that's some of the the padding i think that a part of me is angry about but also you know i guess like you said it kind of has to happen and who knows how much stuff hit the cutting room floor when the game had to be released back in the day on a smaller disc size and that sort of thing like mm-hmm. what editing is going to get injected back in absolutely well, you, could I think ar- you could argue this game's been in technically it's been in development since 1997 from the twinkle of someone's eye since 1997 yeah <laughs> what are you gonna say caitlin i was gonna say that i think it's well we don't know the context i mean it's hard to, to say for sure what role this uh new character is going to play yeah but it's actually kind of it could be used as a really good way to uh, well, first off, to you know, introduce what soldiers actually do, because in the original game, all we know about Cloud is he used to be a soldier. We don't really meet any uh, outside of like the grunts and people that you just you that know, you fight. Yeah, yeah, you don't meet any top class soldiers outside of supposedly Cloud and Sephiroth, both of whom yeah. are no longer actual members of the unit. So. That's interesting lore that we can get there, but it might also help to mm-hmm. start sowing clouds, uh, clouds, clouds of doubt in people's mind about Cloud and his past <laughs> of the organization. To have somebody else now, of course, like we don't know. This guy is saying I've been looking forward to this or whatnot. So I'm, there's interesting backstory that could potentially be there, but like he could obviously he could easily say stuff that sort of gets people thinking you know those of us who are in the know party members in the game or people who've never played the game before about whether or not cloud is a reliable narrator in his own story yeah which is totally i was just thinking about that too as you're saying and like we don't really get a lot about the military side of of how shinra works the the first major part of final fantasy 7 the original and in presumably in the remake as we explore midgar was very centric around the building up the environmental crisis and taking down Shinra as a corporation. and But, but they never really go into, like, why does this corporation have its own private army and has been bathing these people in Mako to make super soldiers and accidentally creating monsters? Like, that stuff slowly kind of gets revealed a bit, but then the story very quickly becomes about Save the Planet from Sephiroth uh, because there's an alien creature out there that he is inherited from that we all apparently have a piece of if we were working for Shinra. But again, no one really says why that private army got made, what the structure of that is like. And like you said, what it means to be a soldier first class and what other ones out there are there, because apparently none of the other ones are important enough to make it to the story. That's the Turks. The Turks are the only other face of Shinra you have. And they're like effectively like a, a different branch of that military. They're yeah, more they're like not even the secret in agents of Shinra. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're like the the ISS or whatever. So I mean, the like it could police. be cool because you know, like if soldiers are so strong and powerful, and soldier first class is so cool, why do we not actually ever see any of them in the game? Really, outside of the big bad. Yeah, was it canned? What what happened there? Yeah. Does, does it all all the funding just go to Hojo instead? <laughs> oh, this is going to be really cool to see him because we know he's going to make some sort of appearance in the game based off screenshots. I'm in, I'm interested to see you know if they kind of expand his role in this first chunk of the game versus the original. So like, yeah, which I guess and how makes much sense. Of that will tie to Deirdre Cerberus because it's one thing I did like about Deirdre Cerberus is fleshing him out a bit. Yeah, makes sense too if Sephiroth's going to make an appearance. Yeah. Which we know he is, but yeah. My big level thought overall is just that uh, 
I like you, I really want to play the rest of the game. It kind of reminded me of how I felt when I fired up the demo uh, when I way back when, like um, when I first got my PS One and I it came with a demo disc or seven, like. I was kind of like transported back to that point um, because it's, I've, I've played the game. I know what happens after the end of the demo. It wasn't like I was itching to 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 do that, but like I'm I'm really excited just to see based on how they fleshed out that opening mission. You know what they do for the rest of the game. I'm looking forward to just exploring, and I'm looking forward to seeing you know how they've fleshed out the story and and how that plays out. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm really looking forward to hearing more of the music. I think that the uh, Ooh, it sounds the, so the good. remixed music, the rearranged music, was perfect in this demo. So absolutely. The, before uh, I moved on from the point of that dude, random dude who we don't know, the only the, my only concern with him and bringing up Dirge of Cerberus is that uh, his color scheme made me think of Deep Eyes and that whole evil organization from that. And I really mm-hmm. hope we don't go down that rabbit hole trying to tie things to Genesis. Yeah, I don't want Gact in this game, please. I swear. <laughs> no more Gact. Um, what was the, the magic, I guess, or I guess you more or less, I guess, touched on it, Caitlin, that you were just looking forward to seeing more of it like this. But like, yeah, was there like just a magic moment that really hit that nostalgia home or was it just the second you fired it up? I was kind of the second I fired it up, like having the the, the intro sequence and, and seeing uh, seeing Aerith and all of her... Her beauty and um the yeah, initial wonderful. like cloud jumping off of the train it was just like oh my god and you know that that initial kind of wow no moment reason. of they they kept the basic uh frame uh not frame but they kept the basic shot pacing of that intro you know they embellished it but it's still very similar to the way the intro of the original game is shot down to yeah. cloud doing his Stupid, crazy! I'm a badass. Flip off the train maneuver. So it's so funny. It's like it's so anticlimactic because he just he's like, get down here, and he just leaps off, all amazing. His sword out, like I'm ready for action. Oh, there's nothing. Okay, I'll yeah. put my sword away again. I mean, Cloud is yeah. pure drama. <laughs> that's that's the character right there. Which is so weird because he's he is and he isn't all at the same time. He's so like I don't want to be the center of the tension, but also I'm pretty badass, aren't I? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then it, there's the um, with the new acting and stuff too. Like, I love the relationships between the characters in this. Like, um, Wedge is kind of still in my heart with how endearing he is, <laughs> yeah. and uh, I enjoy Biggs and Jesse. I'm just like, cool. There's my crush now. Uh, get out of the way, Tifa. Yeah, and Aerith. Team, she's just so delightful. I'm team Jesse too. Yeah, and like the chemistry between them all is wonderful. Like the acting in this is is really quite impressive in a lot of ways. So I'm looking forward to some more of that. I really like the banter between Cloud and Barrett when they're in combat together. Yeah. Like, especially with the this, this Scorpion boss, like if all the boss fights, major boss fights involve like that, you know, uh, unique specific dialogue that relates to the strategy and the different, you know, things the boss is going to do, that's going to be really cool. Mm-hmm. It makes the... It- it makes the world more believable and it involves that kind of classic thing we did get in some of those more set piece battles in Final Fantasy 7 and Final Fantasy before that where you get that little text dialogue box at the top even though you're on the le- there on the left you're on the right ATBs are all paused for a second while the boss talks to you but it's it's hard and different because like it's just not as dramatic in that sequence cuz it's 
the mechanics are still built for the fight, right? It was a little more dynamic and stuff like seven, eight, and nine, where they started playing a bit more cinematically with the camera in the the fights. So they got to do a bit more of that and make that moment come to life, like the fight with Palmer, for example. It that gets very uh, involved and all that chat happens in there. So you have to believe these people are in the moment, and that just makes those moments that much more tangible for us now, right? Yeah, there's definitely like they've taken the cinematic. Uh route that they kind of i guess started a lot with well i don't know six had it has plenty of its you know cinematic moments True. For, for the time but i think for a lot of people especially myself because it was my first final fantasy that uh that transition to 3d and having the fmvs uh thrown in there was the first kind of like wow this can actually be almost kind of like movie like so and then this yeah. is in some ways i guess the natural evolution of that that development for the series and for RPGs and video games mm-hmm. in general is to get to this point where we can now kind of make it seamless between the movie parts and the gameplay parts. Yeah. That's kind of what developers have obviously always been working towards and dreaming of when it comes to telling the story, making it uh, not having that divide. Jono for you, like, is it uh, did this game demo just sell you on it? Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to sell most people on on it. If not, th- I think there's going to be parts of this that some people will not adore. I think that, like we were talking about earlier, the combat can take a little bit of getting used to. After I got used to it, I found it fun. Quite a bit of fun, actually. Um, but for a little while there, I was like, eh, I don't know. Um, also, it's important to remember that uh, I would be very surprised if once this is released and once they're developing... Uh, the second, third, however many parts they're doing, they can go, they can technically uh, t- take the the weak points of the combat and just streamline it. I mean, that's one of the advantages of doing the uh, chapter slash sequel model of this. And I'm curious if they could even go back and mod in the improvements into this game, um, because that would mm. that would make any improvements that they make in the second and third parts. Um, would almost have to be made to the first part too in order to make the series feel like a coherent beginning to end story which is what i think eventually they're going to want to do otherwise it feels like you're playing three different games literally three different games yeah even though it's got a cohesive story all the way through because it's it's different from them being sequels where that's like allowed you know having them look similar but play different between final fantasy 7 final fantasy 8 that's acceptable, but all three are supposed to be the story of Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, I don't think people would be as down for those inequities. Yeah, I think in terms of the name scheme, if I was if I was naming them I, and I was looking at the Final Fantasy tradition of it all, I would probably go with Final Fantasy VII-2 and Final Fantasy VII-3, like uh, yeah. Final Fantasy X-2. Um, and then yeah, thirteen, one, two, three. Yeah, and rather than coming up with like various subtitles for each one of the games, I think just doing it. I think I think just naming it dash whatever the next installment is, and I think that's why they're calling it Final <laughs> Fantasy VII Remake instead of Final Fantasy VII Remake Park One. Right. Yeah, I could just see it now. Final Fantasy VII Remake, the second one. Now will just be Final Fantasy VII Remake straight out of Midgar. One. Yeah, straight out of Midgar. Oh, <laughs> straight no. out of Midgar. Oh, that's perfect. And then, I don't know, what would the third one be? To the moon! Uh, Someone hasn't already made that t-shirt they're going to now. You're welcome, T-Fury. 
uh any rate it's it's shaping out to be pretty impressive i i even before i even started the game just that main menu music of the re orchestration and arrangement of the main theme i was like cool i'm in if if the rest of the game has got me like this oh cool yeah it does and like i said if it wasn't for my current situation due to the current uh climbing in the world because of covid uh, i would have bought it right then and there but we're gonna have to count my shekels so it's not an uh a necessity right now for the family and i have enough to play as it is but i will be watching uh, with bated breath for everybody else playing the game and, and thoroughly enjoying it and i can't wait to see what this exploration of midgar fully gives us well we don't have to wait very long for it Yep. Nope, April 10th is what we said. We got, uh, as of this recording, 19 days? Nope. Yeah, 20 days. 20 days, my God. It's, it's, I think I said this last week, but I, can't, I genuinely cannot believe this thing is finally getting released. Like, it's been forever that this has been teased, and like, like there was the PlayStation 3 uh, tech demo that they redid the opening for. And ever since then, people have been like freaking out. <laughs> please do it. Actually, please actually do it. And I'm pretty sure that that was like, when we saw that tech demo, I'm pretty sure that they were tweaking ideas for the game. Even back then, I think this thing has been a lot. I made the joke that it's going to be, it's been worked on since 1997, maybe not that long, but I think it's going to be longer than we actually think has been the production yeah. cycle on this thing. Probably since they started like expanding the final fantasy seven universe. Cause already that was the kind of, trial run for what they also tried to do with final fantasy 15 and having the the different bits of media and medium and different kind of games within the world so it's probably been since then they've been stewing it around and the tech demo was a thing where they're just like as much as they said like no we're not actually doing it they were probably just being like let's see how much people really want it oh they wanted a lot <laughs> yeah so they just yeah had to put the time into it, and they clearly wanted to do it right, and I think they are so far. Uh, another remake that we're getting very shortly as well is Trials of Mana, and that demo just came out. Uh, for those of you who haven't, you know, been getting Square Enix's emails to tell you about this sort of stuff, they also released a fun little quiz that so you can kind of find out what your starting character ought to be. For me, it was Duran, so you know I like being um, the basic bitch in the party apparently <laughs> basic sword bitch any rate so duran was my player character of choice but for the demo i actually went with kevin as my main and then duran and then uh, charlotte because if i do carry the save over into the full game i want some healing because i'm gonna go evil kevin i think this time around because back with uh, the mana collection i did a, a good kevin run so i'm gonna do something different this time around but it's also shaping up really well. It's clear it does not have the budget the Final Fantasy VII R got, but it's uh, they've done a lot more than what they did with the the sorry excuse of a remake that was the Secret of Mana remake that we got a few years back. The only thing I liked about that remake is that they used the original 16-bit maps as the mini-map. That was the only... Which is beautiful. That was the only creative decision that was made in that game that made me go, oh, that's, that's not a bad idea. Which they did not do in this one, unfortunately, but I think it's because... Yeah, they just had so much else going on, and I wonder how much that would have eaten things up. Is this a one? I haven't played the tri the the uh, demo yet. Is it a one for one uh, remake, or is it going to be like inspiration inspired by? So far, from what I can judge, I haven't done a comparison myself, but I, uh, from what I can recall right now, is it seems to be a one to one three D remake. 
Uh, I haven't played Kevin's story from the start in a long time because the last party that I did use Kevin in, he wasn't my main character, so I didn't get to do his introduction, which takes place in his home city. Whereas if you play any other character, you don't really get access to that city again. Mm. So I can't remember the layout of his castle, but everything leads, every single party member gets to the city of Jad, which is um, under military occupation by uh, an invading force. And that's kind of where the story really kind of starts for you after you've done like your little like intro bit that sets up why the character went on the journey, which every single character gets. So Jad, from what I can see and remember, because having just played it not too long ago with Gwen is very much laid out the same way. You go out the door. There's a lot of the same monsters. The big difference here. And again, I didn't play the secret of manor remaster, which I imagine it was more top down like a three, like isometric, but 3d. I don't think it was full on 3d where you could, over the shoulder kind of thing through person i didn't get through the whole game to be completely honest i started playing it and was like oh god yeah it just felt it just felt like they put a 3d overlay on top of the pixel graphics is what it felt like to me gotcha well this one plays more like uh dawn of mana that was on the playstation 2 uh, which was awful and everyone should do their best to forget it but it, it feels like that kind of where they wanted to have a more action down into it camera angle which uh was exciting for a secret of mana because you're like cool i get to go through all these exciting mana worlds these they go through these seamless maps step by step because that's the cool thing about secret of mana like you have final fantasy where you have an overworld map to traverse between things whereas secret of mana you literally have to walk between each until you get your flying dragon or you get uh, access to it some other way but for the most part you can literally almost walk from one place to the other panel for panel and when everything was it basically just in its own self-contained levels in Dawn of Mana, it was really disheartening. Whereas this uh, remake in Trials of Mana is what we actually would have wanted as fans because you can literally walk panel for panel. The monsters are all there. Uh, the big thing that changes, though, is usually in Secret of Mana, in the classic Super Nintendo ones, every as soon as you go two panels away, if you go back, the enemies respawn. And this one, it's basically once you leave sight lines uh, for like kind of the 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 it's pretty good draw distance but once you kind of leave draw distance and you kind of come back since there is no like loading between panels it's all pretty like the whole map is now of like a of an area is one full thing yeah. yeah it's seamless so if you leave the draw distance and come back the enemies will usually have respawned i'm not sure if there's a time limit or not to it but i found they they were usually there which is fine and you can target them really easily so combat is really fun and fluid hmm. as it should be because that's one of the biggest things you do in both those games they're really solid action rpgs for that so i had a lot of fun with that so you can target enemies or you can just kind of willy-nilly go at them you have two different types of attacks now um and that's the thing with uh, uh they've done well with trials because trials still was different enough from secret of mana where you didn't have to do the hold down charge thing for your uh, special attacks or to make your weapons do better attacks and trials of mana you just had your basic attack and there was like a charge up that happened for every hit you got and you kind of got more or less a limit break every character had like a special move they could do after you got to a certain point so now you have that sort of system still in place that sort of like charges up and you can unleash your whatever your attack is and you have them assigned so it also looks like you won't have to replace it because whenever you change classes you get a new one and then you would uh i guess you don't replace it it would just you get to use it basically when it gets to the proper charge because they basically had three tiers. So now you can have them assigned to hot buttons. So I'm not sure if you have to wait to get the bigger charge or if you can just choose one over the other, depending on the situation. I'm not sure. But it's kind of neat that we have a quick access to the radio menu and you can assign them to like hot buttons and stuff like that. 
because that was the one big thing that Trials Mana had against it is its like status menu and all that stuff is really clunky. So it seems like it's a lot snappier in a lot of ways, which is one of the biggest quality of life things that really needed to happen for this game. But otherwise, it seems pretty one to one. I'm uh, yeah, I'm I'm going to be interested to see how it uh, how it gets reviewed. I frankly am stunned that they're releasing this thing so close to Final Fantasy VII remake. Yeah, it's going to be like the the budget little brother, I guess. Or the budget sibling, rather. I mean, it would make more sense to me if Final Fantasy VII was a pure turn-based RPG, because then you'd have Trials being a uh, more action-oriented. But with the new combat system in VII, it's... I mean, it's obviously not the same experience whatsoever, but it's... No. It is a much more action-oriented take on Final Fantasy, so it strikes me as really strange that they're releasing these things i think it's being released is it a week apart yeah because it because i think it's the end of march that one comes out yeah be- it's very shortly yeah because i mean if you hey if you can finish final fantasy 7 in like a week or so well i mean i guess keep in mind though uh 7 got delayed from its original release date and it's possible trials had an internal release date that stayed the same Okay, it's going to just, I'm checking, it's going to be, <laughs> I was about to say it was going to be released on September 30th, 1995. Yeah, it's like, nope, not quite. No, I think it's April, oh, it's April 24th, I think is when it's supposed to be coming, so it's just after. Yeah. But the other thing I was going to say too is, also, maybe they're trying to hit two different audiences. Like, yeah, they can get the nostalgia audience of everyone that wants this game, and people who held off on the Mana collection and want to just get Trials of Mana, but in its new form. But also, like Gwen, my daughter, she's not going to play Seven yet. She's going to think it's cool, and she's going to want to watch it if somebody else is playing it. But even then, there's a lot of serious stuff in that that's not really for her. The combat is much more complicated, so it's not going to be something for her to really grasp and wrap her head around. And the game as a whole is aesthetically much darker and grittier. Whereas something like Trials of Mana, A, she already likes it because she's played it. B, the combat's fun and engaging and a lot easier for her to get a handle at coming on at 10 years old. And it's just much more vibrant and exciting to look at with a much simpler to digest story so you know she's probably at the moment the only person i have yet to talk to this game about who actually likes the fact that shawit still talks like she's shawit and i'm just like yeah and she's like what i think it's cute i'm like you would (laughs) so there's a obviously going to be a different audience that can be targeted for each of these so i wonder if that'll be enough to carry it or if yeah they'll bite into each other's sales I don't think anything's going to bite into seven sales. Uh, yeah, I was going to say it's the other yeah. way around, yeah. But this is still a hands-over-fist, a better game than the last one. Even Gwen was saying, like, she didn't play the Secret of Mana remake, but she was even remarking from the trailer. She's like, I don't get it. Everybody in the Secret of Mana remake, they're talking, but their mouths don't move. At least now <laughs> their, mo- their mouths actually move. Uh, and that also followed with her, you know, pantomiming how that works, which obviously involves her mumbling a lot of things. Um, <laughs> it was really funny. She's... Yeah, already sold. She's watched me play through most of the first part of the trailer. So as I said, I played Kevin. I went through his opening story, got to Jad, escaped as we need to, move on with the story, and got to where you kind of meet the mana spirit. Uh, I'm right right about at that point. So I know you can get to maximum level of seven with your character grinding. So you can't over grind yourself in preparation for when the game launches in earnest because you can carry your save over from this into the full game if you purchase it uh but you can only cap yourself right now at level seven and that's the thing they changed too actually whenever you leveled up you assigned an attribute point to you had strength vitality luck uh agility wisdom and intelligence the luck stat was broken in the original game 
So it was basically useless. It only affected opening chests. But there's a character like Hawkeye whose whole two of his whole classes were based around getting critical hits, which was supposed to be buffed up by agility, but that didn't work properly. So his critical hits weren't really... He was still an effective character, but definitely hamstring in a lot of ways because of that lack of that working out. And the... Um, uh, so that was the agility stat uh, as well was uh, was supposed to hamper like how the or uh, supposed to affect I guess his accuracy or how that damage gets dealt out. Either way, there's two crucial stats for that sort of mechanic that didn't work, and as well the shields that Duran, one of his class strains, was supposed to equip didn't really do what they were supposed to do. <laughs> so there's some quality of life stuff. Obviously, I think they have fixed now in this one. And one of those things is they they don't even have the agility stat anymore, but they have the luck stat. And when you unlock your uh, attributes in this new one they kind of have like perks, so to speak. So like it says, like, you know, once you get to two uh, two in your strength, because everything starts at zero, and then you can kind of buff it up as you wish. So when you get to two in the strength, you'll unlock a plus five to your overall strength. So you're now, so you're kind of buying into like um, an attribute tree, for lack of a better term, even though it's not a tree, it's like a list. So it, it gives you little perks for buying into that specific attribute, which is kind of neat. So then, yeah, they have stuff like you'll get a lucky strike now if you put yourself into some points in the luck. You'll get a bonus to your intelligence if you put points into the intelligence strain and stuff like that. So I think it's neat how they've added a bit more customization to how the leveling up system works now, even more so than it already had. Hmm. So it's going to be it's going to be some nice, fun quality of life stuff that uh, I'm looking forward to. And we'll just see how it develops out with once we get to see the full breadth of the class changes, the full equipment and stuff like that too, which obviously is a power creep system, but it's still going to be neat to see how those have all been. Uh, you're not going to see the equipment on the characters, but in the past, the game had little icons for all of them. So I'm wondering if they'll still have maintained that. And, uh, and like I said, having a lot of the ease of access is going to make it a much better remake that they clearly put much more work into. So while the 3D environments I find still look kind of budget, the textures, the acting work of like the um the day-to-day stuff of the characters is all right. Acting in the cutscenes leaves a lot to be desired. Uh I think a lot of our staff have been saying this game is very PS2 era, and that's basically what it is. It seems like a very well-done PS2 kind of upres for lack of a better comparison. Mm. And that's not to its discredit. It's it's not cheap looking like, you know, I would argue Three houses. Like, I found the, like, the morning around Garagmuk Monastery, I found that environment very budget-looking, for example. I don't know, Caitlin, if you would agree, if, if you've gotten into it enough to really look I at haven't, it. I haven't been able to yet. Gotcha. I, I just find it very simple. Like, you, you can see, there's not a lot of um, character in the world. Like, they've done, like, they put up the walls, they put up some foliage, but everything's very straight lines. There's not a lot of, like, stuff to make it feel real in the the textures or in, like, the environment. Whereas, like, you know, something like Final Fantasy VII Remake, for example, like, there's there's pipes, there's steam, there's, there's stuff that builds up the atmosphere and makes it feel like a real lived-in place. Whereas, like, something like this or, as I was saying, Three Houses, it doesn't really look lived-in because everything looks, like, too clean and too uh, and too clean-cut in terms of, like, they've kind of just slapped the textures on, but just having a lot added a ton of embellishment to really make it seem a bit more. And that's usually a mark of uh, of the age of the game, so to speak, right? Like, back on the PS2, they couldn't add as many assets like that to fill it out, whereas now we have a ton of processing power where the system can handle adding more life so this seems to be a happy medium between the two, but it still feels like it could have used a bit more to flesh it out, but they're also probably trying to stay true to the, the simplicity of the Super Nintendo pre- presentation. So, hmm. Oh, that was a thing they added as well. 
they added uh, kind of like in Final Fantasy VII. I found it funny playing both these demos. The games have both added in their remakes um, environmental power-ups. So as I was saying, there's treasure chests that you used to get from enemies being dropped. I don't, uh, Caitlin, I know you're, you didn't really play much Secret of Mana. but uh, Didn't play a, any Secret of Mana. Actually. Yeah, I didn't think you had. But Jono, you probably remember from the original Secret of Mana, like, you know, you'd kill a rabbi and a tre- treasure chest would drop. Mm-hmm. You're, you would awkwardly shake it open <laughs> and out would come candy. <laughs> So they, they've done away with that in Trials of Mana remake. That was still in Trials of Mana. It would usually, you would get an item or sometimes it would give you a, like a roulette reel. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you would get it and you'd trigger a trap or not. I don't know if you played Trials of Mana yet or not uh, from the SNES. But it's now they, they, don't have, they don't have chests at all except in the environment. So you can find them around. So they're seemingly plentiful, but it encourages you to kind of explore now these 3D environments. So that I found very fun. But they have these um, breakable jars. So you can also get your, uh, Le- your Legend of Zelda on. And you smash the jars and you'll replenish your HP or your MP, or sometimes there'll be items in it. I feel like that's their way of just kind of letting you have uh, the items that normally would get dropped from treasure chests, because they seem to have done away with the random loot drops. So it's now more a balance of these respawning, um, I guess, uh, jars in the level. So sometimes it'll just replenish your HP a bit. Other times, yeah, like I said, you'll find some items that normally you would find randomly dropped from enemies. So I like that it's they're keeping the action going and I'm not sure why they chose to do it with chests, but it doesn't encourage you to explore the environments more, which I do like. And maybe that was all they wanted is you to actually enjoy the work they put into these three environments as opposed to just steamrolling through enemies and then moving on to the next story beat. I don't know, <laughs> hmm. but it's nice seeing all these environments in 3d. It's really fun getting to places and seeing like a Vista that you didn't see before. Cause you couldn't because again, fixed angles from above. So it's very cool. Yeah, we really got an embarrassment of riches with this. Like, we didn't get this game since 1995, and now we've gotten the SNES uh, the Switch SNES re-release and a full remake within like six months, seven months. Yeah, and it's a hard case to to try and sell the remake so close after as well because that game has aged very well. It's a good looking game, and uh, and the remake, yeah, it's got to do some decent heavy lifting to make it viable like it has to have the right quality of stuff and i think i would argue so far it seems to i haven't finished the demo yet but from what i've been playing it seems worth spending the money on uh, i haven't checked the price and i don't think it's coming in at uh 80 canadian or 60 american like um ff7r that. but i feel like it's going to be somewhere around the, the 30 to 40 mark which i think would be okay like i'd be comfortable paying like 40 up to up to 50 Canadian for this at most. But even then, I think it's going to come in more uh, like 39.99. And I say that's acceptable. 39 sorry, 39.99. It's going to be 49.99 US. 49.99 US. So that means it's going to be 59.99. It's going to be 59.99. 60. Eh, that's that's steep, but I also I guess that makes sense too though cuz I guess that's pretty much the price of most like Wii U games and stuff like that from the last generation. Yeah, I guess that makes more sense too. I'm I'm not gonna hate them for that. I would probably still invest in it. It just sucks when you've already spent what was it, forty bucks or thirty bucks for the the collection? What was it? It was pretty steep too. I remember people complaining. Yeah, about that. but I mean, again, with the collection, you got three games. Admittedly, two of them were ones we've had mm-hmm. forever. But this one's got full voice acting, which again is pretty hit or miss. Uh, there's a few characters I like, and some acting that's really. I can't tell if it's the direction or if it's the voice work, but again, I've seen some good performances from some of the other characters, so now I'm like, mm, I think it's just the performance. But I feel that that could have been fixed with better direction. But anyways, that's just my opinion. And again, the you can tell there's not the mocap level of performances in the uh, the physicality. Hmm. So it's all very um, early RPG 
kind of lots of arm waving and body moving and stuff to emote in such a way, but at least their mouths move when they talk. So we'll take that. That would be the, uh, if whoever reviews it, that should be their, their line. At least their mouths move when they talk. Yeah, exactly. Which we don't know. Yeah. When we'll get that. But, uh, yeah, I recommend checking out the demo if you haven't yet. I know Caitlin's not really your cup of tea, but are you still going to possibly check it out or? Mm, not in the near future. Not something you're going to make time for? Well, so I'm still working on finishing Tokyo Mirage Sessions, and I was supposed to finish that last month, and then I was going to start playing Judgment this month before uh, Persona 5 Royal and uh, FF7R come out, and that's not happening anymore. Um, so, and then I also wanted to replay Last of Us before Last of Us Part 2 comes out in May, uh, assuming that isn't, like, pushback because of COVID-19. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm behind in my, my plans, so, yeah, it's not happening. That's fair. Well, uh, I know John will probably try it out, but, uh, I know what's also probably keeping you busy, and we can just keep this square train rolling, is, uh, you've been in Final Fantasy XIV? Yeah. Yeah. We did talk about the 5.2 patch with Solosia, but he kind of ran it down for us, as folks may remember who have listened, that uh, he kind of told us kind of all the stuff that was in it and went into a bit of it, but didn't get too spoilery. But it's been out long enough that we can get a little bit more involved with um, Caitlin's journey through the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so, let's see, did he, did he, had he gone through the main story content at all? I think he had gone through a good portion of it. Okay. Um, it's an it's an okay patch from the main story. I actually I'm looking forward to five point three because the the third major patch after the expansion is usually the patch that kind of concludes the content of the expansion, and then the, the next two patches after it kind of starts setting the stage for the next expansion. So most of the the Shadowbringers plot points are gonna for the most part be resolved or at least dealt with in five point three. Um, so five point one, so point one and point two patches are usually kind of a, a a build up, a little bit of a of a pause from the the climax of the main patch, but then also sort of building things up to the sort of mid expansion climax. And I don't know, five point one was fairly quiet and slow, had a few exciting moments, but was still kind of set up. And I'm actually kind of surprised that five point two is also kind of sedate. Um, it's it's not like um, previous, expan- previous expansions where there was a bit more uh, of a drama and a little climax even within uh, the, the the patches leading up to uh, the mid uh, the season, I guess you could call it, uh, climax. So it's okay. It's, it's kind of a lore bomb of a patch. There's some interesting revelations that happen relating to the lore of uh, the the nature of the not just uh, the first where we're still stuck, uh, or rather the scions are still stuck on because they haven't found out how to get their their souls, their spirits back to uh, the source, but um, also just like you know the whole the whole the world and the the existence that everyone is living in as a whole. So there's some interesting little things there that will obviously. Uh, have more to do with in 5.3 and I'm looking forward to seeing what those are Um, Elidibus has uh, I think, well he's got some interesting involvements if you know who Elidibus is, he's one of the major villains and he kind of shows up in this patch and says some cryptic things that will 
probably come to a head in the next patch, and that could be cool too. Does he do a little bit of this and a little bit of this? He's a little bit of this and a little bit. He does. <laughs> he's he's kind of a weird villain to pin down because of his his role as expressed prior or, or in the previous parts of the of the game, the previous expansions. He's kind of a a little bit different from your typical mustache twirling Asian villain. Um, but we found out some information in this patch that makes that sort of you know recontextualizes his existence and what he's doing and it could be a very interesting uh development uh going forward um it's the one thing i will say that they have continued to do with these patches is you know for 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 an expansion where you're going to a world flooded with light and you have to bring darkness to the world in order to save it to like you know to balance things from being super one-sided in terms of like the 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 ether and the different elements that are at play um on the world and then back in the source too uh they're they're there's they're continuing to do some interesting sort of juxtapositions with regards to the stereotypical expectations for light versus dark good versus evil it's kind of an interesting uh thing that they they do with that because you know we tend to think of light versus dark as light is good, is always good, and dark is is always evil, but it may not necessarily be the case that that's always, you know, the case, so. Which has kind of been the theme of this whole patch in a lot of ways, that there's a bit of a gray area, and light isn't always right, so to speak. Yeah, and then that, of course, factors in back to the main villain in this patch, Elidibus, because I mentioned he's got a, he's always had kind of a different, feel to his role and that's in part because we were told in previous patches and previous expansions that his role was kind of like to to maintain balance between light and dark which seems counterintuitive to an Asian who and Asians generally are sowing chaos and trying to cause calamity so it's kind of weird like what is this guy doing trying to balance things out if he's working if he is a member of this group that as far as we know, just wants to create uh, chaos and whatnot. So his very existence and what he does in this patch, I guess, is going to create some questions as to, well, what are the bad guys doing? What side do they serve? Is it really a black and white, light versus dark, good versus evil, Heidelin versus Zodiac kind of thing? Or do we still not have enough information about everything to really say which side is which are they even different sides you know all these these things so i i expect some really interesting revelations uh and answers hopefully finally to some of these questions in the next patch but this the main story in this one was just it's okay it's not like it's bad i just i think i was a little underwhelmed by it when i finished it so and that's just based on how strong, I guess, the opening was in 5.1 for you? Yeah, well, 5.1 was also kind of slow, which is why I was expecting a little bit more from this patch. But, oh. yeah. I mean, they're both good patches, like I said. But I was just expecting a little bit more. I, I was remembering back to, like, um, Heaven's Word, because Heaven's Word is, like, the, the next best expansion after Shadowbringers. And... 3.1 and 3.2 in heaven's word you know did they 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 were not as overall dramatic as base 3.0 but they each had climaxes uh 
towards the end of those patches that were more, much more involved than what we've seen in 5.1 and 5.2. So gotcha. it could just mean that 5.3 is going to be a huge bombshell. Like there's yes. a lot of elements going into play into 5.3 that could really be interesting and shake things up a lot. And then hmm. hopefully like open the door for whatever 6.0 is going to be, which it could be really anything at this point. Yeah. And whether you'll get that announcement by the end of this year now or not, we don't know. <laughs> yeah, we don't know. I'm not sure what's going to be happening uh, with, I mean, FanFest is not, wouldn't be happening until late this year anyway, but with the current so still could situation, be yeah. Yeah, we'll see what happens with, yeah, the rest of the year after yeah. summer with uh, conventions and such. If I was a developer right now, uh, and I had a, if I had a uh, MMORPG, I'd be putting almost all of my resources as much as I could into development of it, because that's going to be where people are going to be getting their social interaction for the next few months. Yep. Yeah, no kidding. Um, if I was, like, I, I'm not saying take people off of other teams, but, like, if people are going to be working from home with developers and, and animators are going to be working from home, I would get them working on experiences that people will be playing online together. Yeah, the social and experience. Not just for not just for the summer either, for the next year and a half. Yeah. I mean, it might be it might be the thing that finally makes that pushes me into playing this right to yeah to just be sociable, which I was already trying to like talk Annette into as well. She's like, I'm still kind of working, and I already did that with WoW way back when, and I kind of don't want to go down that rabbit hole again. So I was like, that's fair, but gosh darn it, just come be sexy cat people with me. Uh, every single time <laughs> Caitlin's on the show, she makes me want to play Final Fantasy XIV, and it's dangerous. Right? <laughs> I feel like you should be getting ad is revenue. It, is it really? It's very dangerous. Because what is life if there's Final Fantasy fourteen? Uh, I was going to ask you, Caitlin, with the, the storylines and stuff, it's one thing I actually I've never asked you or anybody else on the show, I don't think. The raid content, does it feed at all into the story? Is it, Or is it just exclusively its own thing of just like just fun challenge for the sake of just fun challenge? Uh, well, uh, I mean, for the most part, it's its own thing. But the raid series in Shadowbringers is this time... Uh, directly linked to the main story content you have main story characters that are involved in the story of the raid content and the whole point of the raid series uh for shadowbringers is trying to find a way to bring uh life back to the majority of the the planet on the first that has been basically uh ravaged by this this flood of light like there's most of the planet is just barren nothing lives or grows because of this flood of light that happened that that nearly destroyed everything on that planet and the whole point of just close the blinds gosh yeah and the the the, the goal of, of the raid series is to try and find a way to restore uh etheric balance and bring back life and the ability of people and creatures and and plants to actually survive out in this wasteland um, and that's you know directly related to the story of the first and your your mission in the main expansion proper to to save the 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 first and and sort of beat back the uh, the abundance of light ether in uh, in the world. So uh, it's it's nice. <laughs> it's too damn bright. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it is. It's it's sort of like it's a, a spinoff. Like it's not that you. You don't have to do the raid series to do the main story. 
Um, quite the contrary, you have to have got completely the main story to uh, to get access to the, the raid series. And in this patch, you have to finish the main story quest in order to do the very last quest for the raid series, um, which is... Honestly, I thought that was kind of weird because that, that last raid quest doesn't super have anything to do with the events of the main story, so it's just kind of stupid. But raiders don't have to worry about that because you unlock the savage version of these uh, raids before you get to that quest. So thankfully, they did not force people to do main story to unlock savage. Nice. Now, I can't remember, because we were already talking about that earlier, and I can't remember if last time we, uh, if Solosi had brought it up, because we have the weapons coming up, which obviously coincides with seven. Have they released yet? Is that already come out yet, or is that the next patch? Ruby weapon was released in five point two. Yeah. Gotcha. How is it? Because I can't remember if Solosi. I don't think Solosi had done it yet, but I think you had talked about it. Maybe now I'm vaguely remembering. But yeah, have you? Yeah. Oh yeah, I've done it, and I've I've done the extreme version, and whenever I have. Look at you go! I can't even beat him in the. <laughs> In Final Fantasy Seven, uh, I think it's I think Ruby's. All, I think all the weapons are probably going to end up being harder in Seven than in Fourteen, um, just because of oh, fair different you know different Mechanics. battle systems and like eh. Ruby weapon is really easy. It look oh, doesn't look like it the first time you run into it, but um, it's pretty easy. Like I, I remember I don't I'm not sure I actually ever beat any of the uh, the weapons in Seven. I I know I tried like all of them and didn't i got frustrated with them like i wasn't i mean you have to do diamond all i mean the optional all. ones like right uh yeah ultima ruby and emerald i think are the three optionals yeah. and everybody beats sapphire i mean the junon canon beats sapphire <laughs> although i'm curious is is sapphire a part of this one or are they just keeping to the ones that you actually got to actually fight in Seven. As far as we know, I believe Sapphire is going to be the next one, or at least it's mentioned oh, cool. in the story for this. So whether or not it's actually the next weapon we fight or it's just going to be discussed, we don't know yet. But That's neat, though. It'll be the first time players actually can fight Sapphire weapon. Yeah, it'd be kind of cool. Um, but it's it's a, it's a it's an okay. It's, there's a certain nostalgia to the fight. Um, I mean, it, it Ruby does, you know, the, the thing that you might remember it doing from... Uh, from seven, like a, you know, most notably the whole burying its claws into the uh, into the ground to attack you with. So, um, and there's there's a, there's a dialogue box in the middle of the fight that uh, is stylized after Final Fantasy VII's you know kind of uh, <laughs> cool. basic blue kind of uh, dialogue box. So there's there's that, and there's some nice story uh, uh, background. Uh, the the storyline for this series of trials is kind of an interesting story involving uh, the Garlean Empire and a certain uh, villain who is no longer a villain, um, getting some interesting background and lore to sort of flesh the character out. Um, so it should be interesting to see how it develops. Dope. That's very cool. Now, one thing I did ask about uh, with uh, Solosi last time is my interest in the Beast Tribes, but he is not a... Um, he likes to fight. He likes to punch things in the face. That's about it. He doesn't craft or uh, gather or anything like that, but I know you were working on a lot of those classes. So uh, have you interacted more with the Beast Tribe and their quests that are more oriented to the, the gathering side of things? Yes, I have. In fact, I have them maxed out. So I have all of the ranks and all of the uh, the goodies 
Um, so they are the Qatari Beast Tribe. Thank you, that's the name. They are basically the first version of the Kikern. If I, I, if they're an interesting, weird name. Um, they're like little rat people. Um, they're, yes. They're kind Remind of like... the ones from Final Fantasy IX. Yeah, they're kind of like shorter versions of Burmeseans. So you get that sort of image of, uh, of uh, the Burmeseans from Nine in your head. They're just kind of squatter than that. Yeah. They all look like the prince. Yeah. They're all like the prince that uh, Vivi meets. So they are a tribe of uh, scribes that at one point served an ancient empire uh, on the first, uh, the Ronkin Empire in the uh, the Rakatika Greatwood, which is the oh, giant cool. forest area in Shadowbringers. Yes. Which is, my, oh yeah, Mike told us there's actually a quest that they give you that explains the whole Lahi thing. Yes. Which uh, I remember you were a fan of that song for reasons. Oh, I, well, it's kind of a tongue-in-cheek thing, but it's, it's a nice song, but you kind of get tired of Lahi. Every time. Yeah. Yes. Every time. But it is neat that they explain that, that it. It means something, and that was kind of cool. So you got to go through that whole quest line and stuff too. Mm-hmm. And I did also know that the Ronkin Empire was in there because that's something that gets like loosely referenced in like Final Fantasy V back in the day. That's cool too. Yeah. Anyways, a lot of neat lore. We already talked about that last time. There's so much fan service in this. But anyways, continue with the. So the Qatari, they have been sequestered for a long time, and they they make their reappearance back in the Great Wood, and you run into them, and you're basically helping them to excavate. Uh, these these great stone tablets that depict their history, which might sound like a weird thing for a gathered to do, but you're basically helping them by like get getting stuff that they need for their camp and to help them uh, go into the ground and, and excavate these things. And kind of the neat thing about this beast tribe compared to the other beast tribes is that um, every time that they find one of these giant uh, tablets, it's 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 um. They call it a, a stella, I believe. It's it's basically a pillar that has multiple uh, chunks and sides of it that have like etched gr- drawings on it. Interesting. It's like a hieroglyph wall combined with a pillar. It's like almost like a totem pole, but not interesting. Yeah, it's like a it's like a totem pole sort of, um, but made of stone, of course. Uh, each time they find one of these fragments of it, they it's been worn, it's been messed with, they can't quite make out what it's supposed to be depicting. So you, uh, two of the members of the tribe have uh, very opposing ideas about what it means. And it's it's very much a, a rosy, uh, optimistic, possibly naive uh, opinion, and then a very more, much more cynical, pessimistic uh, you know, glass half empty kind of opinion about what it means. <laughs> it's he la, not la he. Your character is given the option of saying what you think it means, and that becomes their interpretation, which is a little weird because you're an outsider and you also have utterly no context for these different interpretations. So it's largely more of a how optimistic are you feeling? How, you know. <laughs> How dreary do you want to be? Like, do you want to opinion? Do you want? Do you want to opine that like they just were horribly abused and and had horrible relations with everybody, or was everybody in the Great Wood? Were they all friends and loved everyone, and it was you know all hunky dory? So 
you can shape the entire culture's view of itself. That's intense. Yeah. And I mean, like, it doesn't ultimately affect much beyond just, like, later on they find more stuff that confirms your point of view and it just, the the, the totem pole the or the... Uh, the pillar just stands there with different colors uh, to sort of like, you know, indicate which option you went with. So, gotcha. but it's kind of a, a neat little thing that, you know, at least has your character uh, af- affecting things and changing things. And obviously every player that will have, you know, that has different choices will have a different look for their, uh, for their pillar. Um, I don't know if it necessarily affects the look of the camp itself, but the pillar itself will change depending on your choices. Right. So, well, the important thing I was asking uh, Solosi about last time is, can you get their hats? Do you get their hats by doing their quests? As far as I know, you do not. It's not a reward, oh, I think. They have such cool hats. Unless unless it's part of the equipment set that I didn't look at. Um, gotcha. Yeah, not a big deal. The rewards are mainly just the uh, the minions, or rather the unique rewards, the things that people really want are the the minions and the mount. And they are all... Great Serpent of Ranka themed, and if you if you know what the Great Serpent of Ranka is, or if you if you know what Scree means, then and if you like either of those things, you're gonna love this beast tribe because there's lots of Screes and lots of Great Serpents, and <laughs> they are super cute and adorable because one of them has a miner hat on, and the other is a botanist and has like That's a. Great. Has, has like a sun hat on or a little, you know, scarf and, and whatnot for gathering. So I, I am a fan of the Scree. The Scree is is super cute. So I really liked this Beast Tribe. That's pretty great. Uh, awesome. Well, is there anything else? Uh... Uh, well, just to briefly mention that coinciding uh, with the, the gatherer focus in the Katari Beast Tribe, we also had in fa- uh, the... This was a couple weeks after the main patch, but um, 5.21 dropped the next stage of the Ishgardian restoration content, which is uh, for crafters and now gatherers also uh, have a a unique thing that they can do uh, to help rebuild uh, part of the uh, part a residential neighborhood in Ishgard, which is obviously going to become a housing district probably in 6.0. So. But that's something, yeah, obviously you can speak to that uh, Solosi didn't have access to either. Yeah. Um, so it's a lot of it is just more of the same. Um, the crafting side is largely the same. You get resources. You turn in crafts. It increases the supply of materials um, for the particular project that your server is working on. And when you hit enough materials that spawns a little group uh, fate, which is different from the last round, but is unfortunately just the same sort of like click here and then click here and then click here, rinse and repeat. Um, so it's that's a little bit disappointing. Um, and I haven't personally seen it myself because they shortened the uh, the time for the, the fate to spawn after you reach the right threshold. So I've never actually been on when it's, uh, when it's triggered, but I've, I've seen and I've read about it. So it, it is basically the same kind of thing. Um, so for anyone who was kind of hoping for a more involved uh, group fate, it's not really, it's just kind of a different take on the same thing, which is disappointing, but I mean, I guess it is what it is. Um, the new additions for crafters are just uh, the scratch-off, the Koopo of Fortune, 
Um, you get little, oh, gosh. you get stamps <laughs> on a card basically for completing certain crafts. Basically, the like the highest level craft that you can complete on a job, or the expert crafts. Uh, or sorry, the, yeah, the highest level crafts you can pl- complete. So you don't necessarily have to be a max level crafter to do this. It's just, you know, turn in the highest level craft you can. And once you fill that card out, then you can turn it in and you get to choose a a stamp or whatnot to scratch away and you get different prizes depending on what you get. And there can be things like crappy stuff, like consumable you know, uh, uh, prism items to just do brief little effects or materia, but they can also be things like minions and mounts and uh, emotes and things like that. So there's a little bit of incentive there. That's pretty cool. And then the other thing that they added is the ranking system, which they had talked about when they first unveiled the idea of the concept, but wasn't actually implemented in the last run. And that is you get a certain amount of points for doing certain crafts, um, largely, mainly talking about doing the uh, the high-level crafts and the new expert crafts, the ones that are meant to be uh, especially difficult to give crafters a bit more of a challenge. And this is specific to the Ishgardian Reconstruction? Yeah, this is, this is only for Ishgardian Restoration. So it's like if you build a statue, then you get X amount of points, whereas if you just build a stool, is, that like, is it that basic? <laughs> Uh, well, the expert crafts are the, are give you the, the most amount of points for it. So yeah, like you want, if you want to be competitive for this ranking system, you're largely doing expert crafts, um, which are especially difficult because you cannot use macros to automate the process. You have to do it manually and they throw in a couple of different stats, a couple different states that, uh, the craft can take, which change the effects. So you have to sort of... It's, there's RNG involved in in this, and that depending on if you get a certain state for your craft, it might change what moves you do, and it that can can affect like you know the the quality that which you make that item, and then thus like your your points that you get for it. So is it as nebulous as the whole like what was it the the gem thing or whatever in Xenoblade Chronicles? <laughs> In the the furnace thing, I forget what it is we were refining now. I forget, but I was like, I feel like I kind of understand this, but I really don't know what I'm doing. I just want Ryan to keep cheering. Oh, e- mm. uh, <laughs> I mean, I feel like this is a bit more of an exact science. For high level crafters, it just means they have to do manual crafts, and they can't 100 percent control what's going to happen because of the RNG involved with the the craft states. It's just a harder craft. The basics are still kind of the same and you well understand how the system works if you're trying expert crafts. It's not like... Yeah, that gem system in Xenoblade was super awkward to try and understand what you wanted to do to get the right kind of (laughs) gem out of it. This is much clearer. Yeah. At least that's cool. All right. So... Um, and then uh, gatherers are more involved in this uh, round. They actually get their own little run of content to do. They get to go to the reworked uh, diadem, which was way back in Heavensward that was introduced as this sort of uh, large-scale exploratory content that you would go off on. In it was multiple different parties. You could have I think it, I can't remember the exact number of players, but it was large-scale content. You could have multiple parties, lots of different people. And it was largely focused on battle classes. You would go around uh, attacking enemies and wait for like special monsters and fates to spawn and, and stuff like that. But now DM is for gatherers and gatherers only. And you just basically 
fly around mining and harvesting and fishing and if the weather changes you go to special nodes and get uh, special materials for like the expert crafts and whatnot and occasionally you fire a bazooka at an enemy and it gets it just it kills it automatically and you get a bunch of materials from that <laughs> that's so weird yeah that's so funny bazookas that's kind of neat oh what the heck other than that, the the music and the final uh, the final savage uh, fight is well. It's it's also in the normal mode, so you're not missing out anything uh, this time if you don't do savage music wise. But uh, it's super awesome. Outside of one fight that reuses the uh, force your way uh, arrangement from from eight, uh, the music in the new uh, Eden uh, fights is just excellent all around. I love right, it. Right, because that's tied to eight. Yeah, that's cool. I don't want to. I don't want to spoil necessarily what the music is. You just need to experience okay. it yourself. Well, that's cool. Thanks, Caitlin. Uh, it's nice getting a bit more of that. Uh, yeah, the other side of it, the the non-fighty adventure side. <laughs> but I'm disappointed you didn't get hats. Uh, you had also mentioned a game that you were uh, sad you weren't having time for at the moment, uh, which was Judgment. But someone who has been making time for it is Jano. Uh, you were going to play her story, and you're like, you know what? I need more Yakuza. You were saying. Yeah, given the current circumstances of the world, I kind of felt like falling back into a nice warm pool of Yakuza. Some comfort Wow, that sounded uh, awkward. Um, (laughs) I mean, I feel like they all just hang out in a hot tub with their tattoos. (laughs) Yeah, actually, there there are sub-stories in these games where that's an actual plot point. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I just was, I was looking at playing her story and I just needed something to take my mind off things. And I had finished five and I said, you know what? Let's just play six. Why not beat people up with bicycles? Sure. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I finished, I played through six. I finished six. And then I, uh, I said, okay, time for her story. And then I looked outside and went, "Mm, judgment, maybe. Yeah. So I played through six and judgment. Was that like a comment on this whole thing or (laughs) I'm kidding. Is this brought on by, is this brought on by judgment? I just feel feel comforted by a world where everyone's wearing those sick masks. That's fair. (laughs) So yeah, I played through, I played all the way through six. I've just started Judgment. I gotta say, I was, a, I was, I enjoyed six. I, I had fun playing it. It's still Yakuza. I was a little disappointed coming off five. Um, they really scaled back the ambition of this game to a, five was probably one of the most jam-packed games I've ever played in my life. Six didn't even have a complete version of Kemurocho. It, it just didn't. Oh, that's weird that they scaled that back. I guess that they didn't. I guess I was looking up the history. I guess they they uh, ran out of development time, so they literally just cordoned off sections of the city with and put guys in construction hats there. We're like, oh, we're doing sewer work. You can't come through. It's not safe. <laughs> That's the cheap and easy uh, <laughs> roadblock. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and I mean, the game was fine. It's still Yakuza, and there were, there was a lot I really enjoyed in it. Uh, it was the first game in a new engine. And that's the same engine that got used for Kiwami 2 and Judgment. And uh, the first game in a new engine is always a little buggy. Uh, and this this had a few a few bugs in it too. And it just wasn't as smooth or as fast or as much fun, I found, as other Yakuza games. Also, I had a... The storyline in this, there's a lot of really uh, tough pills to swallow character-wise with some of your favorite characters. Um, at least my favorite characters. So uh, there were some points in the game that I really, I, I didn't disagree with. I just, it just didn't really resonate with me. And that being said, there are still a lot of, uh, a lot of cool things in this game. There's a, they've gotten rid of the traditional fishing mini game now, and now you actually go out spearfishing in an on-rail shooter underwater. 
um, they have taken the batting cages idea and they've expanded it into a full-fledged baseball simulator uh, where you actually like play seasons of games against uh, other teams, which was a nice addition. And, you know, it had the usual side quests and stuff. I think my favorite was there's this wacky gym um, that I'm very upset has replaced the bowling alley because I love bowling. But there's this wacky gym and you get in and you can train, Kiryu can train in the gym. And then after the, after the training, they send him out into, into the city to get a meal and they give him clues about what kind of a meal that he should eat. And then there's this ridiculous little sequence like, uh, like before, here's the before shot and here's the after shot where Kiryu is like slumped down. And then the after shot is him like posing and glistening. And I, I watched all of this and I was like, oh, this is actually kind of a fun little side quest. And then I, I discovered that, no, that's an actual gym. It's product placement. It's not a side quest. It's, there's an actual gym where this is the, this is their training regimen. That's hilarious. <laughs> it's kind of a cool thing about Yakuza coming from a Western audience. And I've noticed this is sometimes there are wacky side quests or restaurants or characters. And you're like, ha, ah, that's craziness. And then you're like, oh no, it's product placement that we don't understand because we don't have that company or business here. Um, I imagine, I don't know whether or not it would play better in Japan or worse in Japan. Depends on how somebody feels about product placement, I guess. But here it's just like, oh, that's that's funny. But yeah, 6 was, it was good. It was fine. It was far from my favorite Yakuza. And I've just started playing Judgment and I can, right off the bat, I can tell Judgment is much more in my, uh, in my wheelhouse. It's still... I mean, it's a spinoff, but it's still very much Yakuza. Um, all of the things you love about Yakuza is still there, um, but uh, with a slightly different focus now. It's much more, I guess, traditional. It's a detective game, so it's very film noir. There are voiceovers, uh, horns in the background, if the background music, stuff like that. I feel like they even did a major change. It's using it's using a uh, the same version of the city as in 6, uh, the same models and stuff, but... Uh, I think they've changed the lighting quite a bit and it looks much more moody and dark and it's it, I've read I read there that it I've read that it plays like a combination of Ace Attorney and uh, Yakuza and it, it does it really reminds me of like a Phoenix Wright was like running around kicking people in the face between courtroom scenes which you know he might for all we know well he did in Marvel versus Capcom. Have you ever seen those? Have you ever seen Phoenix Wright's gameplay videos, like just on YouTube of him playing in that fighting game? It's hysterically funny. No, I, I have not. Yeah, nothing's funnier than watching Phoenix Wright take down Galactus by tripping over things and dropping evidence. <laughs> oh, that, that added little touch is ridiculous, too. I'm loving Judgment. I think it's it's hitting all the right buttons. It's really cool because there are, as far as I can tell thus far, no recurring characters from the Yakuza series. The only thing it has in common is it takes place in the same city and the same neighborhood, which has been a character of its own, and it certainly has been in every single one of the games. And that's really, that's one of the things I love about the games. And I was just thinking, Caitlin, when you do eventually play Judgment, and if you discover that it is your cup of tea, if you do like the, the combat and everything, and you want to go back, it's going to be very cool for you to see the city in 2018, and then jump back 30 years to see what it looked like mm -hmm. uh, in 1988. I think that will be a, a cool experience for you. Oh, well, I've already, I, I played a bunch of Zero. Oh, you have played a bunch of Zero. Okay. Yeah. So I have, I have at least, I'd never finished it, but I intend, that was my intent this year was to play through the Yakuza, uh, Yakuza series and start with Judgment, then just go through the numbered games. 
Okay, I didn't realize that you had played Zero before. I, mm-hmm. I just really, I just think it's really cool just how the city has developed in the over the years. There's not really much, I like, I'm really starting to feel like my presence on this is changing the podcast into Yakuza Encounter. It's okay, it's your um, Dark Souls. <laughs> yes, remember the Rob Steinman era of, of Random Encounter. Oh, exactly, and we can generally always expect that when Caitlin's on Final Fantasy XIV will come up. We all have a thing. It's a letter. Yeah. 14 Encounter, we should have segments. Yeah, no kidding. It's probably been talked of. Yeah, I, I could I could do a regular segment about what's new in Final Fantasy XIV. I mean, uh, Derek Heemsberg, informally of this podcast, as folks know, has a podcast for that exact reason mm-hmm. uh, uh, that he has been doing as well. I don't know if it's still on right now. It's but it's he was doing it. It's been on hiatus for a while. Gotcha. Yeah, but that's exactly it. There's so much to unpack there that yeah, that, I mean, guarantee there's many a podcast dedicated to this, and yeah. Caitlin could very easily start her own. So, and if you want to check out Derek's podcast. Uh, they ideally want to have bring it back. I just think they haven't had time recently. Um, it's called Astral Era, and you should definitely Thank subscribe you. to it, check it out, and tell Derek how awesome it is. But, yeah, don't feel bad about your, your judgment, love. You're not being judged for the love of judgment oh, or I'm... Yakuza in any way, shape, and form. Oh, I'm, I'm not feeling judged at all. It's The games are fantastic. I mean, anyone who is, if it's your cup of tea, if you play it and you you connect to anything in it, you're just going to love it. Um and if you like Ace Attorney, there's a lot of crossover in terms of mechanics there. Uh, it's a, I think it's a fantastic game. I'm really excited to keep playing through it. You're saying that people shouldn't object to this game? I, I'm not. Uh, I'm sorry, yes. was, there, was there a reference there? <laughs> oh, I'm yes. just trying to keep the crazy pun game going that we've been having all episodes. So. I knew what was going on. I just thought that I flew over <laughs> your head for a hot second there. Oh, there was a there was an actor change up on Judgment, right? Because of scandals and such. Yeah, I read that. Uh, one of the actors got replaced because this has actually been a thing for Yakuza, where I guess if an actor is is caught doing anything scandalous, then out you go, and then they bring in someone new to do a face cut, to do a face model and everything, gotcha. and they just replace that person. Uh, they did it with they did it with uh, Yakuza Four, and uh, I guess they did it with Judgment too. I have again, I haven't gotten that far into the game yet. I'm I'm still I'm only in chapter two, and I've been to be fair, I haven't I've been playing it longer than that. But I just like every Yakuza game, I just get caught up in the side content, and I'm just like, yay, side stories. And in this game, there are like you're running a detective agency, so you can get cases uh, that are alongside your main case. And then I discovered that there is drone racing, and it's it, it, this feels much more like the Yakuza the amount of Yakuza side content that i'm used to except they have cut karaoke which i find kind of sad oh that was yeah i was like no karaoke why yeah there's still the the karaoke uh karaoke place is still there though but it's no longer an enterable building unless you want to break through the window with a with a uh thug and even then you can't they won't let you play maybe it was just um yeah budget restraint it might have been there and then had to hit the cutting room floor before they could get stuff done and recorded and because it seems pretty involved so yeah, possibly. Also, it's it's possible that they're trying to give Judgment a slightly different flavor uh, than Yakuza series, and because karaoke has become such a staple of Yakuza, maybe they've decided let's just gonna we're just gonna leave it out, and that way it'll be slightly different. But then again, it has darts, it has the video game classic Sega video games, it has it has everything else. <laughs> so I am a little I am a little sad that the the rhythm. The rhythm game mechanic is now gone, which I grew quite fond of through playing uh, Yakuza 5. Ah, well. And yeah, you get pretty used to it with um, the idle life. Yeah, the idle life. I really think they actually should release a Yakuza spinoff with just idle life. 
I think it would be a big hit. It probably would be, to be honest. <laughs> but that being said, Caitlin, you're hoping to, to get on into this, and I guess this probably hasn't dissuaded you so far, The what bit Jono has been able to uh, nope. divulge. Nope. Yeah, I'm... I don't know how much of it I'm going to get through this year, but I'm going to get through some of the series this year, I promise. It, it, it's all dependent on whether or not Cold Steel 4 is coming out this year, which is looking less and less likely since we haven't gotten any news from Nisa about it. So maybe I'll get through more of the Yakuza games than I originally thought. Yeah, that's uh, not a bad problem to have. <laughs> yeah, I think that we're going to be... Um... I think we're going to be hitting a lot of game delays in the next couple of months. It's yeah. very feasible. We all will have varying degrees of time and stuff on our hands, which, you know, again, we're trying not to go into it too heavy detail. And like I said, if people didn't want to listen to it, they haven't. But those of you who have been listening to the episode, take care of yourselves. This is um, you know, this whole thing going on with COVID-19. Definitely, uh, it's probably caught many of us uh, by surprise and it's changing daily. And social distancing there's a lot of us, I'm sure, who are very used to it. And there's a lot of us that uh, realize how much you do take for granted just getting that social interaction going to work and stuff. I've started to even notice that that is affecting me on some levels, my wife as well. So, you know, don't be afraid to get some dates going on the old uh, Skype and Google Hangouts and just chat with people. It's actually remarkably great, you know. Yeah. Play Final Fantasy fourteen. do some, some social gaming. We have a whole podcast, actually, for Retro Encounter that just dropped on mental health and video games and stuff so there's some good games that even could help you get more specific with uh just minding yourself you know take take care and try your best to help keep everybody else safe and healthy part of the problem i've noticed personally is that i like i'm naturally an introvert and i i believe that there's a you know certainly there's a lot of introverts out there uh who spend a lot of time at home and who very rarely see friends the difference is that's by choice. When someone tells you that you can't or there is a social pressure that you can no longer go outside, your brain rebels against it. It's just human nature. And all of a sudden you feel, even if you do normally spend all your time inside playing video games, being told that you have to do that now makes you feel trapped and can really raise your anxiety and stress level. And I found that the best way to combat that personally is while we are all social distancing, with some exceptions, We are not quarantined yet. Uh, I would highly recommend you can still go outside, and I recommend doing it every single day. Go out for a walk, 10, 15 minutes. Just walk around. You don't need to talk to anyone. You don't need to get close to them. But just remember that you are not locked inside your house. You can go out. You can breathe. You can get some fresh air, and you can get some exercise. And all of that's going to help us tremendously over the next few months. You could wave at people more than two meters away. Exactly. (laughs) It's always nice. Just can't hang out with, at least in BC, you can't hang out with 48 of your other friends or 49 of your other friends, depending on... Yeah. It's going to be tough, but we, we, we love you all. You're the reason we're here doing this thing. So um, lots of back episodes of podcasts of Random Encounter you can catch up on if you haven't already. We've got Retro Encounter, because um, Mike does them a lot, and we've got some new stuff coming out too. I've been playing Soul Blazer for the next one, which has been really fun, so that... Uh, game journal will be coming up as well we've got uh, plenty on that docket for you to listen to you want to go listen to rhythm encounter and tell us how great it is and that it should come back hey maybe with all this downtime we'll actually have time to record some new episodes we don't know yet <laughs> either way you got that you can watch hat and eric do their live stream of their uh, phoenix edge podcast and then listen to it as well if you want whatever way you wish to consume that you got options at least if you want to keep up with your what are we called again 
RPG fan. There we go. I want to keep up with your RPG fan family. <laughs> it's been a long two weeks. It's okay. <laughs> it has been. My brain. And there's uh, there's also Twitch. If you want to interact with our streamers uh, and and watch people playing games and whatnot and ask them funny questions, you know, to like get over, you know, the stay at home and the isolation and whatnot. Uh, I'm sure it'll be a good time. And if you want some social interaction online, uh, we certainly have, we have Twitter, we have Facebook, we have regular, we post all of our stories and have lots of conversations in the threads. So please head over to there and uh, engage with us. And Discord and... Discord's great for socializing for sure. We just started one just so that yeah. our like social group of friends and try and plan some some game nights and just general chit chat and stuff like that with broaden the circle from what we usually speak to. We did a, a Discord wine date with a friend of ours last night. We just sat and chatted and whatnot. It's again you take for granted how much uh, it good it does you just to see other people than the people that you're almost always around. I mean, mm-hmm. this has definitely proven to me that like I do love my partner. And uh, I can definitely be stranded on a desert island with nothing but a net and, and we could be getting on just fine. But it still gets to you after a while and you do need breaks and it's just, it's a good refresh to see somebody else. <laughs> yeah. And uh, like my uh, my mom and I were talking, uh, we live near in neighboring counties, but my, my county and presumably her county are going to go on, you know, stay at home lockdown. Um, so we won't really be able to visit uh, much in the near future um but we are planning on like doing like facetime calls so that we can talk yeah. but also see each other and like stuff like that and google hangouts that lets you have like multiple people with uh with camera you know with video feeds and whatnot mm-hmm. you could it's not the same thing and like it's not it probably won't necessarily uh 100 satisfy like the really extroverted people out there who who thrive off of you know large gatherings and whatnot but they're in Miami, so whatever. It's a thing you can do. <laughs> ah, shade. Yeah, they that they they can't go to their beaches anymore. Yeah, no kidding. Mm, what a shame. And I guess from your point of view, Caitlin, because you still do have work, like for myself and Jonna, we're stuck at home or aren't working or mm-hmm. working from home or whatever. But yeah, for yourself, uh, do you have any recommendations for people who are possibly feeling the panic of still having to go out into society and such? Just be smart and be cautious. Make sure that you are taking care of yourself. Um, Don't assume that everybody else is sanitizing and washing their hands and not touching their face after, you know, touching other surfaces. Be extra careful and keep yourself safe. And absolutely, if you don't feel safe, then... You stay home. Yeah, speak up about it. I mean, that's that's that's. I mean, that sounds like common sense, but like you know, ultimately, so if you're not feeling well, or if it's if you feel you know unsafe, then you know, make sure that you keep yourself and your family safe. That is ultimately everyone's first priority. I'm sanitizing the out of my workplace, even though we're not open to the public. Like, I'm not taking any chances. Is that why all the books are so soggy? Yeah, well, I try not to get them super, like, when I'm Lysol bombing, I try (laughs) not to, like... Like, I'm not going, like, super, like, over every book and and showering, and I'm kind of just trying to get a spread, but, um, but, but, yeah... But you can lay them in the sunlight. That'll do it. Yeah. Well, Laying them in the sunlight for a while uh, helps. For for a long time. I think it would take too long. Yeah, no kidding. Just sunning the whole library. Yeah. Be safe. Be smart. Don't panic. 
don't forget your towel, I guess, if we're going to quote that. Make sure you have your own. Exactly. And yeah, just be kind. It's the biggest thing. Remember, we're a community. We, we will not be able to get through this alone, even though we have to do it, you know, distant and alone in some regards. Mentally and, you know, spiritually, if that's your thing too, we got to be here for each other. We got to help out because there's a lot of people out there who don't have, you know, a lot of the privilege that we have financially and the social stuff in place to support that aren't are going to start really feeling this, right? We're all in this together apart. If it goes on much longer. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Well, with that uh, heavy outro, uh, thank you all for listening. We will be here in a couple more weeks as well because, yeah, I'm not going anywhere just yet. (laughs) Uh, Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, for myself, for Jono, and for Caitlin, bye. Bye.